Whereas if you just read the white paper, you don't come away from that thinking like, yes, this is a very sound uh, investment that I'm going to uh, hold and reap future returns. You just sort of think like, oh, cool, maybe I can buy a hot dog uh, with <laughs> yeah. this. And maybe I can buy something online without using uh, PayPal. But all that's gone out the window now. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Today is... Friday, the 28th of May, 2021, following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. The topic this week is crypto versus governments, episode 20. And I am here with James, an artist who drew my uh, little picture for my podcast. So many thanks for that. And I guess is a Bitcoin Cash fan. So introduce yourself, man. How are you doing? Yeah, hey everyone, I am James, and uh, I did indeed, I drew the new little logo on the RSS feed uh, there, and uh, I'm, uh, just so everyone knows exactly what they're getting, I'm not heading up any inspiring uh, projects to bring uh, economic freedom to the third world, uh, I don't have any charts and graphs to blow your mind, I, I'm just a regular uh, haver of Bitcoin, liker of Bitcoin, and uh, sometimes user of Bitcoin, and um yeah, I've uh, I, I was I was riding my bike along, listening to the podcast with uh, one one earphone in, you know, for safety. Yeah. And I thought maybe uh, I'm gonna draw something when I get home. Maybe, I know I'm gonna draw Jeremy's face on a coin for uh, the logo because it just sort of said uh, Bitcoin Cash in a white square. And uh, now, obviously, I see I need to I need to do a new one. He's gotten rid of his beard, so um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to sort that out now. All right. Well, you know, either way is good. I quite like the uh, the beard one. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit hippie, a little bit uh, indie, and definitely when I was. Although maybe it would be confusing too then, because yeah, when I've been meeting people at the meetups and I say subscribe to my podcast and they look it up and if they if it's with the beard, then that's probably what they every single one of them will say. They'll be like, oh, it's you, but like, what happened to the beard? Like, you know, that that's obviously the fashion. Uh, these days, you know, uh, or maybe it isn't anymore. I don't know. It's not winter here in uh, London anymore. So I'm kind of, uh, kind of keen to, <laughs> to, uh, de-heat myself. You, you can just swap it. You switch it based on the season. I initially had you on a green coin. I thought we need to keep the branding consistent. And then I looked at it and I went, uh Oh, this looks like some kind of St. Patrick's day, uh, thing here. It's, you, you don't really recognize it as a coin unless it's Gold, yeah. which is sort of the the other guys, but uh, oh, that's fine. Hopefully, hopefully we get the message across. Yeah, there. we just call up their branding. That's all fine. Like you know, pretty soon we're going to be the real Bitcoin anyway. So you know, uh, screw them if they don't like it. Too bad. All right, cool. What do you mean we are the real Bitcoin? Yeah, well, you know, that was the thing. I, I was re arguing with somebody on the threads, uh, you know, this week where they were saying, I mean, basically, you know, there's. It's basically uninformed to kind of just say that BBC is the real uh, Bitcoin in anything other than name. And it's mostly just an accident of history that it sort of worked out that way for them. So they were very lucky in that regard. But uh, the thing was, somebody was saying, oh, you're not the real Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. And I sort of said, well, look, there's points on both sides. I mean, to be honest, Bitcoin Cash has all of the points. The only point it doesn't have are the brand name and the hash rate. Those are the, those are the two things. The price is kind of irrelevant, except in so much as it, it links to the hash rate. So because uh, BDC has the higher price, it also has the higher hash rate. And so if Bitcoin Cash can uh, you know, have a surge in price, 
and then attract more hash rate and then take over and then get you know more than 50% of the hash rate, well, BDC will probably die pretty quickly. After that, I would expect, because that's the one thing that they have. And definitely, I know uh, people that I've already introduced to Bitcoin Cash and traded with them a little bit and stuff. And then they they just say like, they, they don't even call it Bitcoin Cash, they just call it Bitcoin because they're like, this is obviously the, the real thing, you know, because I'm trading it with you, not like uh, BDC that they've never um, been involved in or whatever. But I expect that uh, as, as Bitcoin Cash takes over Bitcoin, we'll end up in a scenario where, you know, the denialism from the BDC crowd, like obviously everybody in that camp now is going to have the choice, right? Do they defect or do they just uh, stick with their beliefs? And that sticking with it is going to be less and less tenable until it gets to a point where they're just irrelevant, right? And so it's going to be kind of a, a fun, like if we flip the hash rate, then I expect fully that there'll be some other, oh no, but we've got the brand name and you are the scam or like whatever. But by that point, nobody will freaking care. So, uh, you know, they just make them obsolete basically. Yeah, as far as the uh, Bitcoin cash is the real Bitcoin thing, I've had people come and, and argue with me on Reddit. I hang around in the subreddit and then you get the opportunity to see the arguments of the people from that other Bitcoin and the other subreddit come in and, and take offense or whatever. And they think I'm, that we're just talking about the name, like we're saying technically we should have that name. And the point is, no, it's the spirit of the project. It's not that we, we think that we've uh, been tricked out of the name. Yeah, exactly. Like branding is just... Well, I mean, in some senses, it's kind of like a Theseus ship type argument, right? If you have a ship and you replace, you know, one plank of wood, one plank of wood, at what point is it a new ship or is it the same ship, right? So I guess, you know, it can sort of get into <laughs> philosophy a little bit there, but definitely I think loads of the people who don't understand uh, the distinction or why people have that uh, argument, it's because they came in after the fork. And so to them, their sort of reality or their story is like, oh, well, you know, this is Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Well, they sort of forked off as though we went off to the side rather than it was kind yeah. of like, a, you know, it was one road that split into two sort of equally rather than like one that was going straight ahead and one that just kind of, you know, offered a right angles type of idea, right? So I think they often think of it like that, right? That's one of the weirdest things I've encountered recently bickering with these people. I only just realized that they believe that we came out of left field and just latched on to the name. Like they literally don't understand that it was a common origin point. It's the same blockchain. And one project had one interpretation and the other went its other way. And I've actually had some people say like, oh, I didn't realize that. I really did think that you just sort of came in and, and co-opted the name. And that's why they repeat this uh, scam coin things so much of the time yeah i mean it's just fascinating because you ultimately i i think it's actually to our benefit sort of in a way that because if people have all this misinformation and stuff obviously that's ideal it would be better if there was no misinformation but when they have the misinformation what happens is they one way or another they eventually get to the real truth of the matter uh as you can see you know when you argue with them sometimes they just argue and then they just piss off and then sometimes they argue with you and then they you know eventually or they look around or they try using bitcoin cash or something and then suddenly like the you know the doors open in their mind that they understand and then when, once somebody has been through that process they are more of a stronger convert than you could ever possibly you know achieve any other way right so 
that process I think is really good because I mean anybody who was around before the fork uh, they sort of had that process by default uh, at least if they're in Bitcoin Cash now but for the people who are coming into it obviously if you just start in Bitcoin Cash then maybe a certain time you look at Bitcoin and then just go wait this is shit and you come back but if you've been on the Bitcoin side and you're Bitcoin Cash is a scam and blah 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 and then you eventually realize not well you're going to be a pretty uh, good advocate when somebody else has those same arguments Bitcoin Cash is a scam blah 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 you know yeah, I feel like most people, I don't know, maybe over half are people who have gone through that process of having that realization. It's one of the most fun parts about that subreddit is that you see these posts where people have kind of hung around and they have that moment. And I myself, like I was around before the fork, but I sort of said, okay, let's get on whatever uh, Bitcoin related subreddit seems to be out there. And then the the BTC one was always just sort of there in the background. And it was like, well, they're saying some weird stuff. And uh, I, I don't know, it seems like there's some controversy going on. I don't really have time to to figure it out. And then I sort of gradually absorb it. And and at some point, there, a light bulb goes off and you have the moment of, oh, shit, these people are actually correct. Wait a minute. What am I doing here? And you see that happening almost every day. There's a post like that where someone has come over from the other side and really reluctantly gradually have been absorbed by the the facts have absorbed the facts rather yeah. and i don't do you, do you think it's uh do you think it's most people uh, using bitcoin well, maybe, cash maybe it is by now i mean i don't tend to think of it that way because i was so <laughs> adamant you know at the time of the initial split and in the discussion and sort of arguing for bitcoin cash and everything like that uh and then after they split uh, and I was in the Bitcoin Cash camp like briefly and then I sort of got a bit disillusioned and sort of just left it all alone. And so then by the time I came back, uh, they, you know, or, or sort of when I came back, I was thinking about this today. I looked and I saw, OK, well, Bitcoin, I had a quick look at that and I was like, yep, that's still garbage. And then I had a look at Bitcoin Cash where I knew, OK, that was kind of where the action was. But then there was Bitcoin SV as well. So I was kind of like, okay, it could be either one of these, really. So I, I spent a, you know, I don't know how long it took me, but maybe it was like a week or two and I was sort of browsing on the forums, looking at, you know, catching up a bit on the history of who had done what and said what and whatever. And uh, and then, you know, I came to, to, and I was like, well, Bitcoin Cash is definitely the one once I figured that out a little bit. And then I think that's that's sort of the really the key point that this podcast or that hopefully... Uh, you know, people can get the idea of is that really you want people to independently be able to sort of identify the real Bitcoin because who knows, Bitcoin Cash might split in the future. It might turn into yeah, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Ultra or, or whatever. And there's always going to be arguing over who is the real Bitcoin. But, to, you know, I know what the real Bitcoin is. I'm very confident in my ability to sort of identify it. And I think that's the that's what part of this podcast is trying to help everybody understand the concepts and the philosophy and to encourage them to read the white paper and to try and use it and all those things because once you have all that context obviously then you can you know it doesn't matter if there's another sort of censorship attack or there's more you know shenanigans behind the scenes or whatever people can independently figure it out themselves right Bitcoin Ultra, I like that. You should keep that in your pocket. I, I went through the same thing. I think it was that that long period from uh, 2017 to 2019, 2020. You were not supposed to care about the price and obsess over the price all the time. But the fact is, when the price is languishing and flatlining, you go from being very engaged and checking your phone every five minutes to just feeling like, ah, 
who cares about the price? I, I, we don't need to look at that, whatever. And, and it's easy to sort of uh, lose your lose your enthusiasm when the whole thing has just been flat for, for years, which is what I, I trailed off on it after that big, uh, that big initial spike in 2017. And that's around the time I did the, the switcheroo out of uh, Bitcoin into Bitcoin Cash, which like I didn't put all my Bitcoin into just Bitcoin Cash. I'm not one of those people. I might do better than I don't me know then. If I'm mad <laughs> today, but I think some of them are mad at the uh, at the exchange they got there. But Bitcoin Cash helped me decide when it was time to get out of Bitcoin because I look at my initial reason for getting involved in the first place, which was I. I was trying to think of this. I think it was that Antonopoulos guy in uh, maybe 2014-ish. He was going on podcasts and he was talking about it like a currency. And that's what had me interested is the the usage of it as a currency. And as it gradually turned into this investment vehicle when everyone is just uh, asking about it and talking about it as a means to make dollars, they're much more interested in dollars than Bitcoin. I start to realize like the, the my justification for getting into it in the first place has sort of evaporated or at least moved over here. Yeah, I think there's so many aspects to that in, in cryptocurrency as well too, where uh, I see it so, so much as well. And I mean, it's just the way people are. They always try to reason everything by analogy, like even like it's digital gold or like, you know, uh, this this coin is related to this coin in this way or crypto is yeah a commodity or it's whatever and it's it's not crypto any of those asset. things yeah crypto asset that's the latest uh tagline or way of sort of trying to move it away from being cryptocurrency but the, the... i've been noticing a lot of very subtle linguistic mumbo jumbo over the years where they're where it's no longer a cryptocurrency it has to be a crypto asset and the same people are always using the word investing it's always an investment which sort of implies that you're going to something that you're going to hold with the expectation of future returns mm. whereas if you just read the white paper you don't come away from that thinking like yes this is a very sound uh, investment that i'm going to uh, hold and reap future returns you just sort of think like oh cool maybe i can buy a hot dog uh, with <laughs> yeah. this and maybe i can buy something online without using uh, paypal but all that's gone out the window now just with some very subtle terminology changes it's an asset it's an investment and the word currency you only really hear from very particular people yeah yeah and definitely just people have to yeah like yeah trying to explain to somebody like oh i can buy bitcoins and then how do i sell it and you're also like no you don't you don't sell it like it is the money how do i use this to make more money no no it's it, it is the money it's not yeah you know like those kind of things you just try to explain to people or they say like yeah but why would you you know get paid in like bitcoin cash or something it's just like no <laughs> that's the point but uh everybody's getting there very very slowly and surely you know reality has a way of of uh getting people across those uh bridges i think so yeah well i guess uh speaking of the price really so this week's price update 702 us dollars so it's been up you know in this lifespan of this podcast it started at uh, in the 400s, I think, and that was would have been up all the way up to 1500, and then now back down to 700s. And 
at the same time it's also gone from when it started it was closer to i think 80 or 100 to 1 uh with bdc and now this week it's 51 uh to 1 uh bch to bdc and it's been as high as 35 and stuff like that so it is just slowly just grinding out a few edges i feel like uh yeah i don't know recently have you been watching the price or how much do you do you think about or follow the price like you already said a bit there well, yeah, when when we're riding high, it's obviously more fun and more compelling to constantly uh, check your phone. And then when we're like the week that we've had, then suddenly you start th going, oh, well, who cares about the price? I don't care about the price. It's all about usage. It's about adoption. Why are we talking about the price? But uh, I, uh, I like to say when I look at the price, I'd like to switch my frame of reference and say, the dollar, it looks like the dollar has fallen to uh, 0.00, what would it be, uh, 1.3 BCH. It's bad news for us dollar hodlers. You know, there's anytime, uh, anytime the Bitcoin cash price goes up, we could, uh, we as crashing. holders of dollars yeah. in our bank accounts could be saying, oh no, what are we doing holding this, these dollar tokens? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, people have, if they, they can go on bitcoincashpodcast.com and I have a little widget on the side there uh, that I've made up with the price where it says the price of a one milli Bitcoin cash against a euro and a dollar and all that sort of stuff. And so you can see like over time as one dollar buys less and less basically i've still got it fixed to uh one dollar but i i guess you know yeah i guess one bch to the usd price but yeah you definitely want to be trying to think of it in terms of like uh definitely i think of my sort of like asset values now in, in bitcoin cash rather than dollars for the most part i think even the to go before bitcoin cash to look at the uh gold price mm. since 1913 it's hard to even find the correct chart. I've, I took the gold price chart and just flipped it upside down. Yeah, exactly. And that shows you how good of an idea it is just to hold on to dollars in, in relation to your, your purchasing power. Just a constant and, crash. And it just, yeah. It's just been a complete slide since 1913. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's funny because people always see that, yeah, that graph of like Bitcoin going through a huge bubble and that's how they think of it. But You've got to try yeah, and tell them, gold, swap it around the other way. Actually, a Bitcoin is always just a Bitcoin, but just your dollar is just yeah. falling off a cliff, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right, cool. So, well, we've had uh, we had a bit of a surge in transactions and then it crashed off a bit. Well, it didn't really crash. It was just noise.cash started uh, batching up transactions. And so now it was up to 140-ish uh, thousand per day. Now it's back down to about 100 a uh, thousand per day but funnily enough btc which was at the 400k and has never really uh gone over that because of the block size limit has also been a bit on the decline so uh it's interesting to see you know how the two sort of uh play into each other you know i, I don't know how how much do you follow these kind of graphs or do you put a lot of import into that or is it more like oh if i see you know a new person accepting it in my area like that's a big bullish indicator or, or do you sort of believe in the stats well that is that is anecdotal i do for some reason this chart of the um number of transactions that's what we're looking at here right N never never interests me as much as just the dollar value being being transacted yeah. and i don't know if that's that's my own bias and i was trying to think of 
why one is so much more interesting than the other. And if I if I reduce it, if I imagine that we we go to the deserted island and we see uh, uh, Robinson Crusoe and his buddy uh, uh, Friday, and and they tell you like, hey, we've been trading these shiny shells back and forth as our currency, and then they say, now we're really going to blow your mind. We've we've made ten thousand transactions back and forth of these shells. You'd go like, okay, well, I guess you guys really like trading those things around. I don't know. But then if they said we've we have transacted a million dollars this month of of value back and forth then you go oh okay well now you're 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 serious because it sort of is tied to the tangible goods and and services or whatever the value that is exchanging but when it's just this number of transactions flying around you kind of go like i don't know is that you just sending it to yourself or i don't know what that is yeah definitely and that's why i always have the the combo i always talk about both of those the usd cent and the number of transactions each week because i find they're a nice pair because if they you do a transaction going up is good in the sense that you it is important uh, especially on the bch side that people are having a lot of transactions because if there are a lot of 0. you know one cent or whatever transaction going around that's proving the use case for microtransactions which bdc can't replicate a lot of other cryptos can't replicate uh, not you know not at the scale of bch with keeping fees as low and then also uh, you know, but the things do naturally fall on a bit of an exponential uh, distribution where you can have a big chunk of 0.001, you know, transactions, but you do want to have healthy amounts then of $1 transactions, $10, $100, you know, $1,000 and uh, whatever. And so, yeah, that's, th that's this next uh, graph where BCH had sort of like surged up and, and it was, it did beat out BDC for a day or two. Uh, in the middle there, which is really, really telling. I mean, still at 50 to one price ratio and there was even just one or two days there where we were doing uh, more and now they've sort of spread apart a bit. But BCH has got such a nice, like upward little growth here going on. Uh, and BDC is obviously growing too, but the as it grows off, there's, there's not a, a thing on this chart, but you can overlay it with the, the amount of fees paid and with BCH, it's just flat. And with uh, BDC, right. it's kind of growing up alongside the uh, value sense. So all that means is that like in a graph, it's really important what's not on the graph too, right? So in that case, it's all the potential commerce that could have happened on BDC, which is not, which is now in Ethereum, or maybe people are just using dollars, right. like actual Bitcoin people. They're not trying to go to shop and buy a hot dog like you said they're they're just like oh i'll, I'll use my dollars but then i'll just hodl my yeah. you know uh bitcoins so i think actually we, we're seeing you know I, I was really pleased when i when i looked at this and so that was one of the reasons that convinced me that this there was something going on here was that the transactions were spiking but the actual uh, usd was also kind of showing some growth too and like with bsv that's a problem where they have where their transactions are through the roof and their value sent is like nothing you know right well let, let me ask you this because you're more of a technician than i am we know why the transaction number fell off a cliff when it did it's the uh noise.cash bundling thing why why would the dollars transact do they do those correlate about the same time a little bit May? yeah because if there's less uh each one of those transactions even if it is only for one cent it might be that it was being sent from an address with 
$20 in it and it's sending one cent to somebody and then 19 cents of change back. And so then, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, if you have two of those transactions that it looks like you've done $40 of USD sent when really you've sent two cents. And then if you batch it, then you're still you're still sending that two cents, but you're sending one cent, one cent, and then you know nineteen dollars okay. and ninety eight cents, and then so then it looks like it's only twenty you know dollars of uh, commerce. So they are a bit interlinked like that, but I would put okay. So I guess maybe they are related in that way. I sort of looked at this um, split off a bit more because when this happened, it was at the it was around the time that there was sort of that big crash off in uh, BTC. And I think then that, you know, maybe the market was sort of panicking a little bit, like a lot of people maybe were switching their BDC into BCH or maybe, um, you know, some big like these uh, bigger spikes up here and especially here as well. It was when it was near 70 billion uh, per day. That's always when the price is either rocketing up or down in BTC because suddenly everybody with a load of coins is like, oh, crap, like <laughs> we're either we're in or we're out. You know, they're making like some big moves. Um, you know, so BCH maybe, and, and then as the price goes up uh, in, in BCH as well, that means there's more value to send around too, which is something people don't, uh, so you could overlay the price chart on this, right? So if the price of BCH doubles, then you literally have the potential uh, ceiling for this graph is twice as high. So inevitably there will be more activity going on just by default right so that's where it's pretty crazy that again the price is like 50 to 1 and yet bch has been up to 1 to 1 and even you know when it's dropped off and the gap has opened up it would get i mean it's still like 5 to 1 right so uh in that sense bch is still a 10x overperformer, and that that even factors out that a 50 times bigger network in terms of price has way more liquidity and uh, way more net network effect, so it's a lot um, more powerful even than a, a 50x uh, difference would would show. So, yeah, I'm not really uh, not really too pessimistic about these stats uh, for those reasons. I saw that reminds me. I, I clicked on on the previous slide, the Coin Dance uh, URL, and I happened to notice on there it said it is currently 1.4% more profitable to buy, to mine on the Bitcoin Cash blockchain. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are, we, what are we doing then? Why why is the hash rate on different planets if if uh, we're actually got a little bit of edge there in the profitability? Well, so what happens is that if you look on the, there's a really good graph on that. Maybe we can even just look it up. I'll see if I can just find it uh, right now. But there's a, there's a graph that shows the profitability and it always basically regresses back to one. Let me see if I can find it just quickly but the here we go okay well now it's 4.5 percent uh, more profitable where is it here must be here statistics maybe um oh, fees rewards profitability that was the one i should have clicked on um so the the point is that it fluctuates around one to one oh, oh, please show me this graph <laughs> i know exactly what it looks like but it just Maybe I'm going to have to find it later, but there's, it's basically a line and it, uh, the line is on one and it goes slightly above and then slightly below, right? Based on the profit parity. So at the moment, because the price, like we saw is about 50 to one. What happens is therefore the miners split about 50 to one, right? So Bitcoin cash has about 2% of the hash rate. So if it goes marginally up, let's say it goes up to 45 uh, to one, 
then obviously, you know, because the price goes up 45 to 1, then Bitcoin Cash becomes slightly more profitable and it will suck a tiny little bit of the hash rate out of uh, Bitcoin. But it obviously doesn't happen immediately uh, because A, the blocks on both chains are just mined sort of at random intervals, right? And also the miners are not perfectly elastic, right? They're just in a coordinated, you know, mess of like, one of them's kind of like, oh, this is 1% more profit. Let me switch now. But by the time they've switched, some other ones have also kind of, you know, switched over or whatever. They don't, they don't like keep it at exactly uh, perfect. I really wish I could find this graph. But yeah, so like, I don't think everybody, you know, this is something that you don't intuitively know about because it's such a unique case as well. People come into crypto and they have to learn, you know, the BDC, BCH, uh, mining dynamic is unique to those two coins. It doesn't happen on, well, it also happens with BSV a bit, but it's not like, uh, you know, Litecoin and different coins have this kind of dynamic because they don't have those, those forks really. So I'm just hoping all your listeners don't know this stuff inside and out and that, uh, I'm just boring them making you repeat things, no, no. you know, cause if they don't, I'm, I'm happy to be here as the Joe Schmo uh, dummy who can ask on their behalf. Cause I find this stuff really interesting, but I haven't necessarily, uh, gone into yeah, it. Yeah, myself. No, that's what this uh, podcast is for. And I, a, I don't think most people know all the details of all this and B, even if they did, it never hurts to hear it again. Right. Cause somebody's always hearing it, uh, for the first time. Right. So. I think that's uh, that's fine. So yeah, they just as the price changes, they do suck a little bit of the hash rate out of each other, but it's not perfect. So if you watch that uh, stat that we were looking at there on the coin dance, you'll see it probably won't get up to more than about four or five percent because at that point it really is profitable for you know somebody to switch over and then. But of course, the prices are also just independently fluctuating the whole time as well too. So the individual miners. Um, kind of operate, you know, as they see fit. Right, so in the news this week, and just today, I saw AMC, which is the American uh, cinema <laughs> chain, has started going absolutely to the moon, uh, which is interesting because they were the sort of the second bet on the our Wall Street bets after GameStop, uh, where GameStop was over... Uh, shorted and so the redditors uh, were all sort of ganging up on the hedge fund to buy and hold the stock and essentially force the hedge funds to pay them out a limitless amount of money uh, in theory which is why we saw a couple months ago I think it was episode two of this podcast where it went from um, you know whatever it was twenty dollars up to like four hundred dollars and there was a whole mania about it for a few days and now it went back down but now it's still like two hundred dollars so it's still way overvalued uh, relative to the amount of shops and like the financial health of the company. But at that time, you can, we can see here in this graph, AMC, people started looking at what are other stocks that are also in this same category. And unlike uh, GME was unique in that it was the only one that had more than 100% shorts. So uh, with AMC, you couldn't print literally an infinite amount of money, but you could definitely uh, get some money. And of course, also with the attention being on these stocks, uh, people were going to jump in. So they went into that and that spiked up about the same time and then it kind of fell off. And then I guess in the meantime, things have been uh, rumbling away in the world. And then just in the last couple of days, it's gone from like $12 back up to $30 and just maybe it's just going to, you know, take off, right? So I just want to, uh, I don't have any AMC stocks. I did for a little bit 
in here. Okay. Yeah, so you had your mate who was uh, diamond handing AMC. Yeah, you got into it at the tail end of the initial thing or like when it was going on and I go, don't buy it now. That's you're like three days too late. Now is not when you buy it. You're supposed you know, before the run up, but uh, he went for it anyway. And I'm so surprised that he gets a second bite of the apple that like, these things rarely come back around and give everyone who missed out the first time another shot at it. It's the, the weirdest thing. The, because though anytime it's gone up like a buck, I've been like, okay, you better sell that thing. Like this is stupid. Like what's in what scenario? Like it's ha it's happened already. The shorters have had to buy their positions, and it's over. Mm. And now you're just holding blockbuster. Basically, we we can't visualize any future in which digital content is something that we now need to go show up in person again for. So what are you doing? <laughs> but I, I am wrong. It's uh, it's up where it doesn't belong, at least uh, technically. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of like sort of conspiracy theories and stuff about that as well, too. I think a, a large part of it is that it was kind of like, well, all these shorts need to sort of buy back the, the stocks and everything, and that's going to push up the price. But then nobody really knows like when when they've actually done that or it's yeah. you know it only gets announced like every couple months or something as to is the shorts is it still at 70 percent shorts or is it now 60 percent or is it now 20 percent? nobody really knows until right. kind of after the fact right so i think there's a lot of definitely if you go read on uh reddit.com slash r slash wall street bets you can you know get everybody's uh opinion as to what what is going on right so i haven't been following that story i can't go in there anymore they ruined yeah, it yeah yeah i can't I, it's too it's too hard it's too much like speculation too many emo emojis yeah all those rocket to the moon so but anyway i wanted to call them out because uh they're battling away you know against the financial system same as us so Good to see them making some inroads and it really puts a lot of spotlight i think on the whole cryptocurrency movement where a lot of people are not interested in cryptocurrency but they see this kind of stuff going on and they you know the it helps them click then when they talk about crypto that okay this is kind of it's this kind of the same tribe you know that uh fuck the banks and all that kind of stuff right yeah. so we also had this week uh elon looking at dogecoin so he has been sort of poking around in dogecoin a bit but he kind of upped the ante a bit here with saying like if people want to be dogecoin developers and that he was going to be talking to the dogecoiners and even this bizarre comments about he was talking to north american bitcoin miners and kind of trying to encourage them to have some sort of green council or conglomerate or something which was all very weird because, uh, you know, that's really what Bitcoin had back in the day. But the whole point is it's decentralized and nobody's in charge. So Elon's kind of come in and has now in both in Bitcoin and in Dogecoin, he's sort of become the focal point for a lot of what's going on. And especially because everybody's just focused on the price and he can obviously hype up the price, uh, at least at the moment before everybody gets sick of it it's just all sort of focused in around him. And it's just very odd that he's trying to sort of jam it in and shoehorn it with uh, Dogecoin rather than realizing like, wait, Dogecoin needs to raise their block size and they need lower fees and they need to have more developers. And all that stuff is already rolling on Bitcoin Cash. 
but in, I guess if, it just seems he keeps seeing this thing every time I see him say, he always says, fate loves irony. The most entertaining outcome is the most likely. It's sort of this wishful thinking that he really wants it to be that Doge can get there, you know, or suddenly the whole everything will just come together with Doge because it's a meme and it would be funny. But the fact is, it, yeah, sure, it's funny and it has its place and it goes through speculative manias, but in terms of actually having developers that are willing to spend years of their life making full node clients and showing up on Skype meetings every week and whatever, like it just, it just doesn't have that staying power. The situation is that we need to entice Elon by making BCH the funniest <laughs> outcome. Can we be funnier than, than that dog? Maybe. Maybe maybe Bitcoin Cash needs a cute, uh, lovable mascot, or uh, maybe we can come up with some way to uh, to make us the funnier choice. This is a good idea. Like maybe uh, we need like some sort of. I'm imagining like one of those sports things. You know, some like person dressed up in like a green outfit with a big like cash exactly. sign, or like like a hammerhead maybe shark the, the or Bitcoin, something with the cash, <laughs> like a dollar bill at the top. The, the Bitcoin Cash Cashew. He's like <laughs> Mr. Peanut. But he's a cashew. <laughs> the Bitcoin Cash cashew. Oh man, that well, that could be it. You know, that that really. I uh... mean, people. I mean, people. And I always. And I always. They don't want his attention. Oh, don't, we don't want him to notice us. We don't want all that irrational uh, speculation and all those people coming in, and. Uh, to that, I feel okay. Yeah, we'll just stay an insular little uh, community and only let people in who take it very seriously and understand the whole mission. No, if we're trying to be cash for the world, you need everyone in there, even people that you don't like, and even people who are in there for dumb reasons. Mm. And the spe any speculator or whoever wants to be involved, that's not that's not bad news. Like getting if he calls out. Or if he acknowledges Bitcoin Cash, I can't think in any world that that's a bad outcome. Yeah, no, we definitely do. I mean, I think it's really just a case of people trying to sort of walk the line, right? Because like with as Dogecoin are doing it, haha, it's it's funny, but because it's funny, it struggles to be consistent or maintain people's interest. I think I would have a hard time doing a Dogecoin podcast every single week where it was haha to the moon funny like <laughs> the, the joke gets a bit old right so i mean definitely we want to be appealing and stuff like that but i think i think it's okay that the community is a bit uh hardcore but it just needs to it just needs to advertise a little bit better because that that foundation it's a lot easier to add the advertising and draw in people on a network that technically is very sound than it is to draw in a lot of people and then somehow sort of scramble around to find some developers and you know piece it all uh together at least in my mind so hopefully we'll see some more of that uh with some different kind of marketing stuff coming out of uh bitcoin cash over the next uh, couple of years uh i can't i can see that as being more likely than dogecoin suddenly getting a lot of developers that want to really knuckle down and spend years grinding he's meeting with them he's meeting with those developers though what developers like? Uh, that was... <laughs> They're in a smoky room. They're getting down to it right now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Elon's—he's got so many other things on his plate. Like, 
He's busy trying to launch rockets and make the boring company and make Neuralink and Tesla and batteries and all this stuff. Really, does he have all day to sit around with some Dogecoin developers? No, if the Dogecoin developers are not independently kicking it off, then he's, I don't think he's going to make it do it. He just doesn't have enough time in the day. And even as uh, kind of, you know, crazy or wild as he is, I cannot see him just pouring endless money down the drain on something that he can tell is independently not really got the legs for it. So I, I don't know. He, has he said he's got a position in Dogecoin? I don't remember. Is he just goofing around? Uh, technically, I don't think he's really ever confirmed it, but I did see a really good article that was about somebody analyzing that there is a wallet, which about the time that he was started all the tweets and everything, literally bought a billion and a half in Dogecoin. And it's like, who would, who, there's not that many people in the world that can afford a billion and a half in right. Dogecoin. And, the, you know, it's not an exchange because they would be sending in and out and stuff like that. And, and just that of all the people in the world who have a billion and a half, well, they're not going to YOLO a hundred percent of it into Dogecoin, <laughs> right? So you're looking at people who actually have like 50 billion. And then of those people, there's only a handful in the world and not many of them are necessarily going to be like, let me just buy a billion dogecoin so well uh there is a reaction if i've noticed it i'm pretty sure he's noticed it so uh the sec is probably not going to get after him for dogecoin as quick as some uh some stock yeah yeah and that's true but he's he's running out his welcome you know like the more i think he sort of had his time in the spotlight of announcing himself in the crypto scene and sort of makers of comments and so I'm sure he'll still be able to move the market a little bit, but as time goes on, his tweets are just going to have more and more irrelevant because everybody's just going to think, yeah, Elon's tweeting again, like, you know, what else is new? There'll be a newer, better thing going on in crypto. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it, I'll stop putting as much about him on the slides, to be honest, uh, unless there's really big news where he adopts Bitcoin Cash or something, because yeah, I mean, I'm a bit over it as well too. So uh, also... Does anyone uh, does anyone believe that this environmental thing is the real reason for anything? I don't. I don't really think it doesn't even really make any sense. Where suddenly it, it just seems the environmental angle. Like I haven't done an episode about the environmental impact of crypto, but it's been shown that crypto already has a strong amount of renewable energy in it, and the economic incentives are such that uh, over time, especially as the block reward decreases then the amount of energy spent will be directly proportional to whatever is needed to sustain the amount of transactions that there are on the network. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it would actually be very, very efficient. And if it can replace the whole banking sector, it would be massive because of how much global power usage there is there and probably most of the exactly. gold mining as well too. So there, you know, it, yeah. it would be fine in that front, but it's just so weird because this whole environmental stuff has started up in the last like six months maybe. And it's just the... I've seen all these uh, seen all these articles that just state Bitcoin cryptocurrency uses too much energy. Bitcoin uses too much energy, and like compared to what? That's an incomplete argument. You need to you can't just say it's too much without comparing it to a a similar thing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And maybe at the moment, for the small amount of relative world commerce it does, it is a bit overhyped. But the point is that it's got the potential yet yeah, to just completely flip out and as uh, the transactions and usage goes up that's not necessarily correlated to the mining so it gets more efficient over time rather than less or at least bitcoin cash does bitcoin cash has the this is another thing i don't understand bitcoin cash i can see 
pushing out banking, gold, everything else. Mm. But when Bitcoin core people talk about Bitcoin, like we do about Bitcoin cash, we're going to take over the world. It's all going to be Bitcoin. What are they talking about? I don't know what they're, what are they visualizing there? Because they're not trying to sell it as a currency anymore. And yet here they are going, well, you just wait until we've taken over the world. What does that mean? I don't know. I think, I think it's, well, it's just a, it's just an in crowd. It's just a story that they're all telling themselves. I mean, and I did use a lightning wallet the other day. I uh, really? made up. Yeah. Um, this guy got me to download it and sent me a little bit. And I mean, it was fine. It was actually very similar to the $1 Bitcoin cash that I sent him, um, you know, on, on chain. But the problem was like, even at the surface level, I mean, Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash have been split now for four or five years. And they're just starting to get to the point of having that same kind of functionality when they should have just raced where they didn't have any chaos. They didn't have anything. Uh, and they've just kind of got to that point. But even then, it just falls apart once you look at the more fundamental aspects like uh, the fees on chain are going up over time and there's no plan basically to stop that. So as the fees go up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, there's even to use the lightning network, you have to open a lightning channel and that costs you money. And so the, you know, it just, it's just a nightmare, but the more, yeah, I don't know. It's just this story that, uh, they're kind of telling them each other. And that's why it's been very odd for me. Uh, we'll talk about this later as well within London, there's been all these Bitcoin ads buy Bitcoin everywhere. And that was like the future, you know, that was what was imagined as wow, one day if crypto was everywhere, that's what it'd be. But there's these ads everywhere, but there was nobody actually using Bitcoin, you know, you're still not, you don't see people just trading it around you or, or whatever, uh, except for maybe at some of these crypto meetups, which have been really good. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, just just wasn't there, right? So, so did you, did you pay the fee to open the channel no, and then the fee to close that, the channel? That's right. That that's why it was the weirdest thing because I was so trying to figure it out while we were standing there because he sent me a couple of Satoshis, like a hundred, you know, 900 Satoshis or something. So it was a couple of cents and I, and I got it and it was all fine, but I was trying to figure out. So I said like, is this, do I have the private keys? Is this my custodial wallet? And it was sort of like, yeah, I don't know. Like. And then I tried Googling it. I was trying to figure out what's going on here because there's no way this has come to me on the blockchain. So it must just be in the breezes, like wallet database or something like that. But then that's not really a, a crypto transaction, you know? I've also tried Googling it not to be, I am, I am open to be convinced, but I, it, it's a Rube Goldberg mm. machine. It doesn't own good. I'm I'm happy that you tried it though. That's interesting. Uh, oh, I was happy about. to give it a go. I mean, I was it was great to receive some and just sort of be on the other end of that experience of getting introduced to something in crypto. I did I did actually enjoy it. it was really cool and interesting. But the thing was, even though on the surface it it seemed the same as me giving out people one dollar Bitcoin cash on chain with their own keys in their wallet, even though it seemed the same with I oh, just download this app, just scan this QR code, and then just send it. So. Uh, in that way, it seemed the same, but I was just sure that as soon as I started digging into it, and I tried looking up their website later on and trying to read how did this all work, and there just wasn't really that much detail. And obviously, I, there's no way I can have it because he only sent me 10 cents. So that that transaction would never have processed on the actual um, BTC network. So 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, that wouldn't go through. That, that's what I was thinking. Wouldn't it be cheaper to just send you the 10 cents and pay the one fee than to pay the fee to open the channel and the fee to close the channel? You can't You can't just move 10 cents and pay a ridiculous fee more than 10 cents? Yeah, well, I don't know. He didn't pay any fee, so that's why I felt like it had to just be some sort of on-chain, not on-chain, off-chain uh, type, uh, you know, database thing that this Breeze wallet... I, I don't know. I still am a bit mystified, to be honest, really. But I was like, there's clearly some shenanigans uh, going on here. But it was cool. And I mean, maybe they can onboard a decent amount of uh, people in that way. But I can't, you know, and then as soon as you want to send from one wallet to another wallet, there's going to be incompatibility issues or you know, have slight, you know, problems with the lightning routing or somebody, you know, the government's going to sit on one of those lightning nodes and you know, switch it off at a convenient moment to just sort of screw up the whole network or like, it's just so many points of weakness, I think, uh, in that system, really. All right, so... Sounds cool, though. Yeah, Lightning. it's got a cool name. It's got a good branding. Yeah, definitely. Better than yep. Segregated Witness, which has terrible branding. <laughs> so we've got something as well here. This is uh, was an interesting thing for me, particularly uh, the listeners may or may not know, but the largest trading card game in the world is called Magic the Gathering. And it's sort of like uh, Pokemon cards, basically, uh, where, you know, you have elves and dwarves and uh, whatever. It's this huge trading card game, very, very popular. It's been around since 1994. Uh, and I play it, you know, on and off, uh, especially in the last, you know, year or so. I know a few guys in London, so I play with them sometimes. And uh, they're famous for, in the cards, they do loads of pop culture references, right? So they've done like Harry Potter recently and King Arthur uh, legends and stuff like that because, but they can't, they can't directly say it because they'll infringe on people's IP, but they take the ideas of things that are sort of in the cultural consciousness and they put them into the game. And so they recently made this uh, card called Loris Cryptozoologist, which uh, tellingly has the ability investigate which is investigate is already one of the abilities in the game, but it has invest and it's a scout, a snake elf scout. So it's kind of like looking forward into the, into the future and it lets you make these tokens and then cash them in to buy cards from the other players. So to me, it seems like this is, this is their little hint at crypto, you know, and I just found it very fascinating that it's now at that kind of layer of cultural consciousness on the scale of something like Harry Potter or, uh, you know, King Arthur myths. I don't know. Have you ever played uh, Magic, or do you, do you know what this is about? The, a, a kid tried to get me into it when I was a kid, and I think he was visiting, and then he left, and his cards left with him, yeah. and it was like, okay, I don't know. But there's that word again, invest. They should have, The power should have been uh, spend okay. and replay, or, or cast and replenish or something. Yeah, yeah, something. yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, so who knows? Maybe it was uh, BTC, you know, Bitcoin uh, designing this card or, or something like that. But I just found this is just so sneaky that it is just, it is just getting into the mind share of the population. Uh, I think mm. you know, very, very interesting. And then we saw as well PayPal, uh, who have now they a couple of weeks ago, I'm pretty sure I announced it on this show as well. They had. Uh, BTC, BCH, ETH, and LTC you could buy in your PayPal wallet. And it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But also, yeah, but you can't withdraw it as we were just talking about, you know, can't put it on the Lightning Network, can't withdraw it to your basic Bitcoin cash wallet, can't do this, can't do that. Uh, and so it was really just like a walled garden, fake crypto tokens. 
But surprisingly to me, actually, it seems that they've swapped it around and now they're actually going to let you withdraw your crypto. So now PayPal is essentially a cryptocurrency exchange, maybe not a very uh, low fee one or anything, but millions of billions, I don't know if it's billions, but maybe millions of people have uh, PayPal wallets. And so now if they say, somebody says to you, oh, how can I get into crypto? You can say, look, just buy $5 on your PayPal account and withdraw it right there. Like I haven't implemented this yet, but they claim that they're gonna be putting in the withdrawals out to, to different uh, wallets and services. And that kind of realistically does add it to the cryptocurrency ecosystem. So that's pretty massive news, I think. Do we know anything about the fees? I can't imagine we're paying uh, <laughs> sub penny fees to move uh, BCH around. I mean, BTC maybe, like BCH probably they should be Hopefully it will be uh, low fees, but yeah, well, that's another thing as well. Are, are we going to find out here, you know, because the problems with BTC become more acute, the more people there are getting involved, right? It just gets worse and worse. Uh, so is it going to be the case that people are going to buy $5 of BTC and then try and naturally people just try and spend it? They're like it's cryptocurrency, right? And they try and send it to somewhere and then it pops up a message saying, Oh, you've got five dollars and it's going to cost you four dollars to send this and it might take up to an hour and people are going to think what the hell you know and then maybe they look at the other options and they say oh look at bch it's only one cent and ethereum it's still five dollars and ltc it's you know two dollars or one you know i don't know what their fees are right but uh, i think that will be a... unless they inflict btc fees coins to just uh make us make us think that they're all equal well, we might see that and that would be uh, that would be interesting as well i've had a chip on my shoulder about paypal since the late 90s it is a walled garden it, it maybe they got better but i mean this is good for word of mouth but they've always bugged me how you end up with your your funds locked up fees whatever else in fact them paypal sucking is probably partially responsible to me for me getting into crypto in the first place mm. just the the idea of being able to send some money without that intermediary yeah yeah definitely i mean uh, so many of these services paypal and venmo and whatever have you you know there's all these different apps which are sort of more integrated into you know they've got their tentacles into the existing financial yeah. system right of the banks and the regulations and you know, millions of dollars being spent on lawyers and all this kind of crap. And so as those companies come into crypto, I think it's just a very interesting waypoint where the whole point of crypto is if everybody had Bitcoin Cash, PayPal is done, their business is over, right? Exactly. So they're trying to figure out how they can sort of stay in the middle <laughs> somehow. Right. Yeah, if, if anyone told me they were going to involve PayPal in their crypto usage, I'd definitely, you know, try to stop them. That's like involving a, a, a VHS player in your home media server. Like, isn't this the exact specific thing that we improved upon, you know, that we're trying to replace? Yeah. But whatever. It's good for, for people who haven't interacted with crypto at all and are new to it. Sure. Yeah, it kind of gives them something in it. And it is interesting to see those business interests getting entrenched because now everybody who's a competitor of PayPal, they're in the same position. They can't be like, well, we don't have crypto because, uh, you know, otherwise they just look like they're behind the game and stuff, which obviously they are, right? But uh, once once one of them breaks free, you know, from the herd, the rest of them all have to sort of pile in afterwards. They don't really have a lot of choice, right? 
So then we've got a whole, I've got a whole series of slides here, which is basically about regulations in different countries. So we saw this week, it was quite a, a turbulent week in that respect, although I didn't really bat an eyelid, but uh, I guess from a big picture that China has been looking to ban Bitcoin mining, which they have done several times before. They've banned it and unbanned it and banned it and unbanned it. Uh, and there's still obviously tons of mining that goes on in China and also it being China, you know, it's whether something is banned or is not banned can heavily depend on, you know, who you know <laughs> kind of thing. So there's a lot of that going on, but they sort of wanted to crack down on this a little bit and they cracked down some of their exchanges as well too because of capital flight out of the country that people were using uh, cryptocurrencies to, to move money out from the control of the central government. Uh, so it sort of makes sense that they would get a bit involved there. But yeah, they basically banned it, unbanned it. I mean, probably if you've been in crypto for a few years, you would have seen this, right? That they banned it and unbanned it a few times. Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, capital flight out of the country. I don't think that they uh, said that that was the reason. When you look at the reasons, it's always uh, money laundering, uh, drug trafficking, uh, the environment, uh, the environment uh, smuggling. Like we, I think we can all recognize those as excuses. And uh, the actual reason, like they, I can see why they're on the fence because they, they, if you're if you're China, you want your country to be rich, but you don't necessarily want your people to be individually powerful. Mm. And and like they want the technological supremacy but that whole decentralized thing can't can't sit very well with them so they're I, I can see them sort of waffling not not wanting to get into it too far but they don't want to be behind on it either yeah and that's what every country is kind of in that and yeah china is just a very unique case because a they're a huge economic power uh and then b yeah they have a very unique um relationship between their political and their economic system uh especially especially these days where they have sort of freed their markets up somewhat because it was just not possible to sustain strict central control and continual economic growth. It just doesn't happen that way. Uh, but yeah, they, they are trying to sort of find the, uh, find the line. So they, they sort of were like, well, we're going to ban Bitcoin. And then Iran have been uh, <laughs> banning crypto mining as well because they've been having power blackouts. And the government uh, blamed a lot of this on cryptocurrency mining. Very hard to tell in this case. That could definitely have been a part of it. I don't know whether that was more of an excuse or more of a reality. I don't know anything about Iran or about the stability of their energy grid, uh, really. But what I didn't know was that there is 4.5% of Bitcoin mining happens in Iran. And they've actually been in the past relatively friendly to it because it's a way of them drawing income into their country that avoids United States trade sanctions, which I did not know about. Uh, I mean, I knew they had those trade sanctions, but I didn't ever think of Bitcoin mining as being sort of one way around it to get, you know, a few extra hundred million kind of going on. So they've done that. And this ban is for a four month time limit, which is very interesting. Unlike China, who just bans it and then suddenly unbans it, this is sort of a bit of a it's like a crypto friendly ban because if they put a time limit on it, it's kind of like, we're already giving you the sense. It's going to be back guys. Don't worry about that. It's just more like they need to let their grid, uh, stabilize a bit or something. I read a couple of Iran articles. It was interesting. Like one thing I haven't seen anywhere else 
that uh, they allow cryptocurrencies mined in Iran to pay for the import of goods, which help it get around the sanctions. But what they have always forbidden, that uh, you can't trade cryptocurrencies that are mined abroad. They've got sort of a made-in-Iran policy. So if you want to generate new crypto to trade with other countries for actual goods, that's fine. But they say, don't be trading anything of value from out of here in exchange for crypto. So it's got sort of a logic to it. Like, if you're some goods into here, we need those. But don't be, they don't like it so much that they want their citizens just sitting on a bunch of crypto that they've traded money and, and goods for. Yeah, that's very odd. I hadn't uh, heard or thought about that either. And like you're saying, it does have sort of a, a, a sideways kind of government logic to it, which is like, well, we'll permit it to the extent that it kind of benefits us directly or that we're bringing capital into the country. But essentially, trade operates in two directions. So if you're sort of artificially trying to limit it to only flowing in one way or only in certain scenarios or something, that's that's kind of breaks down over time, right? Because you, it's hard to enforce that or draw the the lines of when it, when it was okay, when it was. And I imagine enforcement is probably a nightmare too if you're allowed to have crypto for some reasons but not other reasons. And I mean, yeah, how are the police or whoever, the regulators going to be like, oh, well, you got this crypto in this weird way that we weren't okay with. Or so you could just say, yeah, no, but my mate mined it. And then, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's another, I read another thing, uh, or I guess it was the same article, but they said that uh, 85% of the miners in Iran are operating without a license. Mm. So they banned it for four months. Why would they care about the ban? They were already doing it illegally. So the, the, the minority of legal miners have to say, okay, yeah, we'll shut down. But the rest of them, crap uh, what do they care if it's, they, they were already breaking the yeah, law. True. True. Well, I, I guess uh, this is the beauty of cryptocurrency, really, is that individuals <laughs> can take their own risk uh, and it's just spread out across the, the population, right, according to their own scenarios. Like, I'm sure those miners in Iran probably have the best uh, understanding of maybe that's really risky because maybe the government does come in and arrest them all or maybe it's not risky at all because the government just kind of turns a blind eye to it, or maybe they have a connection and they sort of are feeding some money into the right pockets and it's all fine. Like, right. so very, very hard for to like speculate from the outside, but it is sort of a market uh, force in the sense that the local, you know, people have the most information and they're the ones making decisions with their own risk at stake. So that's kind of perfect for uh, the incentives to, to drive in the right direction, I think. I wouldn't think jail in Iran is a real treat, but if 85% of the miners are operating illegally, then it must be kind of or okay. Or at least, yeah, they're willing to run the, run the risk. Um, we've got the US regulators also kind of looking at, um, <laughs> looking at urgently, apparently, this is the new thing, it's urgently working on the joint cryptocurrency regulations, Fed's quals, I don't even know, maybe that's somebody in the Fed, says it's high priority, right? So I think this is just interesting, which is that there's kind of been, government is slow. Government is really, really, really slow. It's been, crypto has been on the radar now for years and years and years. And about five or six or seven years ago, 
the huge worry was, are we going to get regulated? And is this going to happen? And there's been various kind of regulations, but across all the different international jurisdictions, and also because crypto companies and individuals, it tends to flow around the globe so fast, the, uh, the Bitcoin companies and the crypto companies and investors and whatever, they're sort of uh, a bit okay with some uncertainty because they can just sort of arbitrage themselves into wherever is kind of crypto friendly at that time. And because there's so many changes of scheme and different this and that, obviously it's not good for the scene that everybody has to deal with all this uh, rubbish uh, and changes in regulation all the time. But the fact is the scene is pretty adept by now at sort of operating uh, flexibly to that. And the fact is that the technology just blasts ahead at a million miles an hour every single day. So while the regulators are busy debating their one regulation and then what about this and what about that and everything, you know, by the time they've got that through in a year's time, the tech has already just made, you know, whatever restrictions they had obsolete by the next, you know, smart contracts or decentralized whatever, or there's always some, you know, new loophole that's able to be exploited. And so as well as the fact that the US regulators, well, now it's urgent, but they've got a lot of things on their plate. The government cannot fight every single battle at once. And so cryptocurrency is not one that they really have the resources to address or to beef with, because at the same time, you know, government has to look after healthcare and education and transport and, uh, you know, home affairs and internal security and external security. And there's 101 things that they need to worry about. So cryptocurrency, comes up on the radar as a big grief <laughs> once every while and it gets a bit of attention and then it sort of falls off the agenda and then by the time they look at it again it's like <laughs> completely different and they're way out of touch again right so i think it's uh, definitely interesting to see this sort of government inefficiency being outcompeted by by the by technology it's looking um pretty tough politically to make a real ban happen in the USA at this point as well. Like it's, I've read that uh, 50 million Americans have interacted with Bitcoin at this point. Like mm -hmm. that's a lot of votes. And now that there's ETFs and everything, like you're just gonna tell some financial group to just liquidate their ETF. Like the, that's not something China and Iran, I guess, have to worry about is how, just what an unpopular move mm -hmm. it would be. And when you read the list of country, countries that have tried to do like a total ban it's like a who's who of uh, non-free speech <laughs> type countries, Egypt and Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, I had the list somewhere, but it's anywhere that you can think of that sounds like uh, they wouldn't be very friendly to individual liberty. That's who was first to try and do a blanket yeah. ban. And then they've just, all those countries have just slowly kind of realized because uh, the any one country can can ban it or they can have their own regulations or or whatever but they yeah they're just fighting that on like about five different fronts at the same time one is that their own population is getting more and more interested more and more invested more and more you know purchasing is going on another one is that the industry is developing in their country so whoever it is that is involved like uh you know exchanges that start in their company in their country or uh, any business that is accepting crypto or whatever, you know, whatever lobbying power they have or any marketing or things that they're just independently doing, well, that's also sort of spreading around crypto and making it harder to kind of 
backtrack backtrack on and the more they'll disrupt things and cause you know grief in their own economy then people in the government themselves they might also be like wow this is the trend and they've bought some so then they're kind of oh let me just uh stall out a bit on these votes you know <laughs> and, and we'll just let crypto kick off a bit more because i've got some so i kind of want that moving in the right direction and, i don't know there's there's just no way right well it's well it's urgent yeah. Because it's because it's a little yeah, late. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely now it is a bit late, and so uh, that's what we're seeing as well. So as we mentioned before, there's been these Bitcoin Luno ads, which I've had on the show before because I took even some of my own photos um, of of them around the place because I thought it was good, and they had this uh, text, you know, if you're seeing Bitcoin on the underground, it's time to buy. And these ads have been everywhere. I can't undersell how prominent they've been. Probably for the last four months or so like i mean even it's been a pandemic so it hasn't been everybody been out and about necessarily but they've been all over the underground the london underground there's millions of people going through that every single day and these posts have been everywhere on them and they've also been on the red uh buses that tourists you know think of when they think of london everywhere if you're seeing bitcoin on the you know on a bus it's time to buy and i just whenever i saw those ads i would just think about how many people it's like a sci-fi or like mr robot episode or something like that where five years ago if you thought of the future and they had made a scene of what it would be like in 10 years time you would expect to see oh there would just be crypto ads and crypto services around the place because it would have taken over and now we're living in that uh world but uh, the ads have got there before the population adopting it did because bitcoin was obviously the brand leader and it's not usable peer to peer. And so people have, there's been so many people seeing this, oh yeah, crypto, this, that, and the other. And now these ads have got banned, which uh, probably I don't philosophically support, but I do understand the reasoning for it because it is essentially just pumping, uh, pumping Bitcoin to like people who don't know anything about it. So it is that kind of questionable financial advice. There's not necessarily a lot of disclaimers on this, like investing at your own risk or, or whatever and uh as a result yeah they have now finally got got banned but once again there would have been millions of people would have seen this over and over too not just once it would have been like you know say five ten fifteen times so it really has just settled into the population's mind it's like crypto is here to stay i think it's uh i think when i look at that ad i actually kind of message of the ad i actually think the opposite mm. when when something is uh, when the price is going up on something due to the due to buzz, and you start seeing Bitcoin on the underground, basically that's kind of how I decided to get get transition out of BTC at the other peak. When mm. people who have no interest in in uh, decentralized currency, when when your grandma starts going like, "Hey, what's this whole uh, Bitcoin thing?" Then I started like, "Uh oh, maybe this is getting a little." A little too speculative right now. Mm. I did, I, I, and what was I going to say? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's true. Um, yeah, buy the rumor, sell the news, right? Like if everybody's, when you whatever it's called, like when your shoe shiner is telling you about this hot stock, that's past right, the page. Yeah, know? exactly. And um, what else was I going to say? The the one of the other justifications that I'll see all the time when I look up who's tried to ban crypto is. It's it's always for your own protection. Mm -hmm. It's always you know save the children and uh, th this 
justification is always, hey, people could lose money here. What What is inherently wrong with losing money? If, if you lost it in a bad trade, went to someone who made a good trade, if you if you block the guy from making the bad trade, then aren't you also blocking, you know, the other guy from making the good trade? Like, even if I think that they're advertising a scam, whatever, let let people uh, decide for themselves. Out. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting too as well that this whole cryptocurrency thing has shown up a huge deficit in essentially the global. It's not even just specifically in the UK or in the US or in Australia or really any, you know, or in China or anywhere. It's just globally created this like renaissance in financial education of individuals having to figure this shit out for themselves because obviously there's the stock market and all that. So people who are interested, you know, uh, can read up on that and learn about that and get involved in that. But with crypto, it's just opened this whole new frontier that a lot of people who were not interested in, okay, shares and stocks and how does it, you know, equity get distributed around to different people and all these different things for one reason or another, maybe it was just Dogecoin and they were like, haha, this is funny. And they wanted to get some and trade it. And then that has taught them about, okay, how does the market work? How are prices set and how, you know, how do things trade against each other? And what if that's hyped this week and not another week and all that stuff, which goes on in the stock market, but only, you know, at a much slower pace. And now everybody's got the crash course in crypto by uh, buying some and holding it and seeing it for themselves is a bit more accessible. Despite being new, it's still more accessible than stock investing. Uh, so because it's so meme driven, I guess. So it, it's really been fascinating that so much of the world, it's taken this advent of this technology for so much of the world to get interested in money when it's something that everybody uses pretty much every day, right? Yeah, even just my own anecdotal experience, it definitely got me interested in the in the stock market and reading the history of money. And uh, I would never, be- I wouldn't have been the guy before who's reading about inflation and uh, reading Hazlitt and uh, all the rest of it. Mm. But j- just watching my initial tiny amount of money turn into a different amount of money makes you kind of curious about how the whole thing works. And and absolutely it. It drove my interest big time. Yeah. And so then we've got, so it's all been doom and gloom, crypto getting banned here, there and everywhere. But we've got here also in the same week, an example of cryptocurrency getting unbanned. So uh, this was a few months ago. I'm not sure whether I mentioned it on the show. I might have, I might not have. uh, But Nigeria banned Bitcoin and said, okay, that's enough. This cryptocurrency, it's a bit much. And Nigeria is actually one of the most crypto interested countries in the world. If you go and look on Google search and you look for Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash and cryptocurrencies, uh, Nigeria has the highest per capita, I think probably in the entire world of people, uh, the highest search volume. And then they have also, um, you know, they, they have been, uh, yeah, banning it and stuff like that. But I, I don't know whether, the government there is necessarily super effective in how it, how it's able to enforce those kind of laws. And so obviously there's been a bit of back and forth going on in their community. Uh, and so now they have unbanned it again after every four months. And so this is where I'm not particularly concerned about if the U S or Iran or China, like we just saw, were banning it because, or regulating it or doing whatever because before too long, they're going to be in this same situation of flipping back the other way because they, you just, countries cannot 
ignore the massive amounts of consumer and business demand for cryptocurrencies, which is constantly growing. And if they ban it or restrict it or regulate it, it just starts up somewhere, somewhere else. And the whole world is connected, right? Especially in finance, the whole world is connected. And if uh, everybody sees their cousin who is in the next country trading these cryptos and loving it, they might say, I want to do that too, right? So it's just not tenable for any severe length of time whatever entrenched interest in the banking sector or whatever, obviously they're trying to sort of slow it down uh, to their, you know, to their own benefit. But essentially they've all realized that they can't stop it. So it's really just a question of who who is involved and who's bought up as much of it as possible before it just becomes obvious that it's going to take over. The whole uh, cryptocurrency is used mostly for illegal activities, mostly. Yeah, I don't think it's close to mostly. It may be, I don't know about Nigeria, but it seems to be another canard every time you look into it. Uh, I, I was uh, just Googling, like, trying to find out, well, what proportion of Bitcoin is used in illegal activities? And the top results, you'll get articles saying, oh, 45%, 25%. And when people actually look into it, uh, chain analysis, they seem to be quite thorough in trying to figure this out. I wrote down uh, in 2019, it was 2.1% criminal activity. Yeah. In 2020, it was 0.34% that they could say was probably criminal mm. activity. And yet it, this whole thing is always being pushed that uh, cryptocurrency encourages or is disproportionately used in criminal activity. Um, let me read my note here. According to the UN, it's estimated that between 2% and 5% of global GDP is connected with money laundering and illicit activity. So regular fiat currency is more popular to use for illegal activity than crypto. And yet we're constantly hearing how we're encouraging illegal activity. Therefore, it needs to be banned. Therefore, it needs to be regulated. It doesn't seem to stand yeah, up. And people know that, I think especially if you wind back a few years when it was more fringe, it's easier to sell people basically on a scare story that, ah, oh, it's all drugs and illegal, you know, it's all the end of the world or whatever. But then, uh, like you're saying, if it, let's say it is, you know, 0.5% or, or whatever, that's like one in 200 people. That means there's 199 people that have crypto or they, their friends trading it or whatever, and they know, and they just think, oh, that's just crypto, it's not, anything too sketchy or to be worried about going on there. So those narratives just can't hold up as it gets to a broader and broader segment of the population, really. Yeah, exactly. I will say, though, I, I, I sell uh, little greeting cards and stuff on Etsy. And in, in my crypto life, I try to try out each little thing that comes along at least once. So noise.cash mm. and cash fusion and making the little um, uh, QR code to send somebody a buck. So uh, earlier on, I was selling cards on that, um, what's that thing called? Open Bazaar. Oh, right. Remember Did that? Did that get shut down? I, I, thought, I thought that like stopped Yeah, it got somehow. shut down. It went away. I don't yeah. know. It was a pain. Right. It was, I, I don't think it worked as a website when I was using it. You had to open this Windows uh, application and, and sign in. Mm. It wasn't great. But anyway, I, just, I was just remembering how um, I was selling a legit innocent product, but the majority of other products on there, it's all people's medication and magic mushrooms yeah, yeah. and like... The classics. That was, that was a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really know what happened to Open Bazaar either because 
I did the same thing where I thought, wait, this could actually be huge. And it was kind of like, because the Silk Road was big in the early days of crypto. And so it made sense that if you just had a decentralized version of that, that that would be super popular. And probably for a lot of stuff that was not just, um, you know, drugs and whatever, but would be just all regular stuff, you know, just sort of peer to peer, like free cycle or yeah, exactly eBay, whatever. Uh, so I did, I opened it up and I tried installing a node and everything. Yeah, it was still just too unuser friendly at that time. And then I lost interest in it. And then by the time I checked in on it again, it's like all development had stopped. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Whoever got all the donations for that project, they were probably just in the Bahamas or something now on the beach. So I don't, I don't really know, but whatever. Yeah, it fell apart. But that's what I would most like to see is just like an eBay where one of the things that made me interested in cryptocurrency in the first place is just how annoying it is to transact online where I need to participate in this weird credit card mm. thing where I don't want to borrow any money. I have money and yet I need to play this game where I'm borrowing the money from the credit card company and now I need to make a payment and pay it back. Like, why do I want to deal mm. with that? Just, I've got the money in my account. Why can't I just send it to the guy? And and still, I'm I'm having to use this dumb credit card and pay it off all the time. Uh, I don't know how it works in the UK, but it's all credit cards here. It's there's no way to transact unless you're technically borrowing the money. Mm, yeah, here it's uh, quite similar, really. And I think yeah, it's it's just uh, ridiculous, you know. And it's just such a like it's not designed for that. Cryptocurrency is designed literally for that online payments and it's yeah. so strongly advantageous in that it's really just that people have to get the idea that it, it's okay you know and i think uh recently i've had a friend and he had some people who wanted to buy a skateboard and so they were sending him messages oh can i buy a skateboard or whatever and he was just able to filter out all these people that were trying to like scam him or mess him around because it was like dude just okay sure i've got the skateboard here's a picture of the skateboard you can see it's fine you know uh, just send me some Bitcoin cash and come around and pick it up. And that just instantly you're done. Like, cause there, there's no coming back from that. Right. Like if people wanted it, they can just send him the Bitcoin cash. He can see, and then he can give them the skateboard. Right. But if they're trying to be like, no man, but I don't have the money, but what about these cards? And like, it's just like, I'm not interested, you know? Oh, I like that. I'm going to do that. I, I'll sell you stuff on Craigslist all the time. And, and invariably the guy shows up and, wants a discount sort of just just for being there like okay well would you take 250 yeah. like did you notice some damage or something like if if, if they'd already paid yeah. me then that's great. right i like and that it's, idea. yeah it's just one way you know the risk is on the it's on the consumer rather than on the merchant which is good in this case because the consumer is the one who who wants the thing right the merchant you can just you can just get the money you just sit there like you don't, you don't need to go out and track down this you've already got the thing they've got to come and get it so it does yeah. uh, it does work nicely like that so yeah and obviously uh bitcoin cash or any any crypto will work in that sense so yeah i mean really just all of this is to say right that all of these uh countries and different um regulatory regimes and so on and so forth i'm not super worried about that that it was a big talking point a couple of years ago oh, crypto is going to get banned the government's going to shut it down and whatever whatever but if they were going to do that they would have done it by now uh and the fact that they haven't basically proves that they can't 
And I don't think there's any country in the world that's really making overt noises that they feel like they could or any country making a, you know, a direct attack on, on crypto. Like no country that I know of has been going around to people's houses to shut down their nodes and, and things like that because it would just be ineffective. Like countries themselves can't really coordinate on anything anyway. That like, we already have problems with global warming and world peace. Countries can't get it together on that front. Why would they suddenly all band together to, to fight cryptocurrency? And then as each individual country bans it or has their own grief with it, uh, then it just makes it that other countries have more to benefit from saying, okay, uh, well, we're going to be the crypto haven. And then all the business flocks into their economy and they think, great. And then the other countries think, well, oh shit, like uh, we've just uh, kicked out all the technological innovators out of our economy. Yeah. We need to get them back. So then they need to loosen it up. And there's just no way that all, whatever it is, you know, 100, 190 or 200 countries, however many there are, there's no way they're all going to get on the same page at the same time when one can gain it at another one's uh, cost at any time. And that's, yeah, that's why organized cabals fall apart in the free market in the first place. The more simple, the more tempting it gets for uh, someone to renege on the agreement. Yeah. Which using the word cabal, it reminds me a of cartel the, the is, uh, yeah, yeah. cartel rather. Yeah. Sorry. The, the mining thing, like, how is that? How is that even supposed to tell? Like, what's the enforcement mechanism on the green or what? Yeah, well, that's a good question, you know, and that's where that whole thing is such a red herring because it just seems like the, the classic first pass of somebody who gets into crypto, especially somebody in his position with a lot of money and sort of feels like he's got a bit of influence to think, well, let me just sort out all the problems of all this that's been going on, you know? And I saw an interview with some uh, miners who were saying, look, Elon didn't talk to us and we've been a huge miner. We actually know a lot of the miners. We know them all, but he didn't talk to us and we didn't sign off on this and we wouldn't be interested even if he did, you know? So it really is just uh, the, the classic case that everybody, whether it's Elon Musk or it's uh, somebody on Reddit or whether it's a country, they all come to crypto and think, ah, oh, let me just, let me just fix all the, <laughs> what's going on here. And then they tr naively think they can, and then they start trying to mess around with it. And then the crypto community just ignores them and carries on. And then, <laughs> and then they discover sooner or later, like, wait, I'm not having a lot of effect here. Like I, I need to figure out uh, more of what's going on. And then by the time they do, they're, they're already out of the loop. You know, they're already, uh, the world's moved on, you know? Exactly. Not to keep mentioning stupid Elon. Sorry, you'll have to, it just popped in my head. You'll have to have an Elon free uh, next Podcast. episode. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. And I think one other final point uh, on this slide I've got here too, which I think people underestimate is that the crypto community have all day to battle about crypto, right? Everybody who's not in the crypto community does not have all day to battle about crypto. So if, if governments are wanting to add regulations or whatever, like we saw before, they're also you know, the next day, then the healthcare people are in there or the education people or the transport people or whatever other industry, you know, the gold mining or commodities or the defense secretary or somebody needs their attention and yeah, yeah, this, that and the other. But the crypto community, they wake up every day. Yep, we're doing crypto again. Yeah. And it's just crypto every every single day, right? So 
obviously everyone knows if one party is 100% focused on something and the other party is 10% focused on it, you don't even need that much of an advantage. Your natural advantage is just overwhelming in the fact that you're not uh, losing, what, what, what do they call it? They always have a term at my um, job, context switching. You're not context switching, right? So because of that, you just, you just build momentum and you can just roll past uh, whatever other you know, complaints because even if the government does make some laws, by the time they come back to trying to enforce it or look around it, the world has just already moved on and then they're, they're back to square one, right? And then, yeah, so as we talked about, there's different countries have been banning and unbanning it. And people who are worried about banning too, it's pretty easy to see it's not going to happen because like the US has had a war on drugs for two decades and conclusively lost it <laughs> essentially. Like I have not been uh, purchasing drugs in the US myself, but as far as I'm aware, if you want some in the US, there's probably 101 ways to get them. So uh, really, how is crypto going to be any different? And even more so because even with drugs, very popular, but uh, still, it's only a, a minority of the population that wants it. Whereas with crypto, it's literally everybody. Everybody uses money. So it's even more uh, hard for any anything to uh, be done on, on that front. And that a, a country trying to attack crypto is just going to have the hardest time because it's not even like one. Uh, it was initially just Bitcoin. So maybe if they could try and keep a lid on that, they could keep a lid on it. But now the sort of genie has just spread out from under the under the thumb of uh, Bitcoin because it did get uh, you know set off track. And so now it's Bitcoin Cash and it's Monero and it's Litecoin and it's Ethereum and Dogecoin and every community just overlaps in different ways with each other and has different technology or different devs or different ways of running their nodes or different you know scaling considerations or whatever. Like even four people who spend their whole life reading about this and trying to follow it, it's still a hundred times more than you can keep up with, let alone for somebody who's in a government office trying to figure this out on every third Wednesday. Like, <laughs> it's just not feasible. Yeah, and just thinking about the drug prohibition, part of the reason that that fails is that the moral component of being a lawbreaker, the shame of being a lawbreaker, is sort of removed when you know it's a stupid law mm. and there isn't that uh, that status of like, oh, I'm someone who breaks the law because we realize that everyone should be able to freely transact. And, and often we're, we're just getting some cabinets refinished and a, and a company will say, okay, here's the price if you pay us cash and here's the price if you pay us with a credit card. Like pe people, even if there were a ban, mm. if I wanted to cut a guy's lawn and he wants to pay me in crypto, I don't think either of us are going to feel like criminals mm. for for doing that. Yeah, just just making trades, the informal economy, it just goes on, you know, every, even in, like you're saying, yeah, even in the US, even in the UK, even in places where uh, the government is fairly stable and actually does a reasonable job of enforcing its laws, there's still just... You know, it just street deals happen all the time, right? Of various uh, kinds, and even more so when uh, it's a country where there's less uh, law and order, <laughs> which is a lot of places in the world too. And as those, you know, as people in those countries kick off with it, 
well, then it just makes even more incentive for everyone else to get involved in more commerce. And so the economic incentives just uh, snowball out of control. So really at this point, you just got to give a quick hat tip to Satoshi, who somehow just invented this idea that was so powerful and so unstoppable in so many ways that uh, it didn't even, it, it didn't need any centralized push. It was just a great idea and it just defends itself on every front uh, seemingly, right? So, so yeah, so I've got here a couple of, so these are these questions that you asked me about um, before this episode. So I'm going to read, read them out here and we'll just cover off on, on any sort of angles of this that uh, we have already talked about it a bit, right? But so the first one was worst case scenarios for government regulation and banning and how to be ready for that. BDC is obviously banker government friendly, but anything that poses an actual threat to dollars is going to be in the crosshairs for sure. I think the most vulnerable weak points are the exchanges. I wouldn't mind hearing a deep dive into what exactly has happened in countries where they've attempted bans and whether or how people have gotten around them. Right, so essentially, uh, like we sort of talked about, countries ban it and then they unban it and they're back and forth. Really, the, for the listeners, what you need to know is that, yes, the, the exchanges are the weak points. So you want to have your own cryptocurrency in your own wallet on chain because that's the security model of cryptocurrency and that is what will uh, protect you, right? Is that institution, well, not, you know, institution, but that cryptography is built into the blockchain. That's how it's designed to work. And that even if a, co a country like, let's say, um, the United States gets very heavy on trying to crack down on the exchanges, that will just fragment the trade because the ultimate exchange is really just any crypto holder, like you were talking about with buying the cabinet or or whatever, or somebody handing you $20 and you sending them some, some crypto, the more the government push, puts pressure on centralized exchanges, the more it sort of splits out and fragments under that. Uh, and the more benefit there is, or the more incentive there is for individuals to just suddenly be the person being that kind of local exchange for their local community. And they can get any crypto from anywhere, which could be their mate out of the country sends it into them or you know, people, people find a way, right? So definitely just hold your coins yourself in your own wallet. Um, and yeah, if the government wants to regulate and uh, ban it, well, you just sort of got to hunker down and ride it out really. And don't have more of your, uh, you know, net worth or your financial position tied up in something if you are worried about the, the government in your area um, getting very antsy about it. But essentially, it's going to just melt away at a pretty fast rate. I think we're already seeing that, that it's kind of past the point of no return. And that, like you were saying, too many people are already invested and involved for it just to be hard to overwhelm that amount of uh, interest. Yeah, the thought of the exchange getting shut down has never made me very nervous personally because I'm not on pins and needles wondering when I'm going to trade back into mm -hmm. dollars. I feel like if they just outlaw exchanges, period, and I needed to get rid of this crypto for some reason, I'd just find a way to spend mm -hmm. it. I'd find something to do with it. I'm not uh, hoping to go back into fiat, and that's really their the point where you're vulnerable and vulnerable to taxes the most yeah. too is when you attempt to capitalize on your investment if that's how you thought yeah. of it and and go back into their money but if you just stay in you know our money 
and and transact in it and whatever, then you know there's nothing to worry about with the exchanges. The exchange is just your initial entry point, and then there's another half dozen ways to get crypto from individuals. Yeah, that's right. And the more people are sort of earning crypto directly, and it's just becoming a a real sort of uh, economy. You know that it is separating more and more, and especially in Bitcoin Cash, that's a huge part of it. Is that with BTC, they're so tied in with all that because it's all about the dollars and all about, like you're saying, the exchanges and people trying to flip in and out. But with Bitcoin Cash, it's more like people are flowing through the exchanges into the Bitcoin Cash economy and then it's just circulating in there, ho hopefully. Um, definitely, that's that's how I sort of try to, try to see it anyway. Here's a conspiracy theory I just yeah. thought of. Maybe, maybe China was getting jealous of Elon on controlling the price at will and they realized hey we can just tank the price anytime we want we'll just go we we're, maybe we're gonna ban it and then they have a big buy-in and uh, off we go yeah and i mean it's interesting you say that because i see a lot of these comments by people saying uh whales are all out there manipulating the price of crypto and you know these hedge funds or these I don't know, big hodlers or whatever that, uh, well, they're just selling and they sell out and then it scares all the fish and then they buy back anyway. And I'm just like, yeah, but the, the problem is you make it sound like there's one huge whale. That's not the case. Maybe Elon is trying to, uh, you know, shift the price in one in his favor. And I'm sure he does have some influence, but he can't predict any time that Roger Ver might just be having a where he's got the opposite idea and he thinks, oh, let me just buy it all off him and just not give it back. Or the Chinese government decides to throw something in the mix or the US government decides they're going to ban it. Or, you know, there's, of course, there are whales and people who are more influential in the economy, but still every single one of them is small fish compared to every single other one uh, once they're combined and they can't predict or manipulate all of each other. So really they are operating at their own risk. So I don't really buy too much into this whole whales and buying up and dumping everyone's coins and stuff all the time. I, I don't really. It's really a, a lot more relaxing to care primarily about the spirit of the mission of the coin and not what's going on with the price all the time. Like this huge crash mm -hmm. recently. I don't care. It, like, it's mildly interesting, but it does not get my blood pressure up because the thing that I am focused on is the idea itself. And I, I like this community because unlike other crypto communities that are all about their coin, the BCH community is about the idea mm -hmm. of decentralized money. And you go into any other subreddit, all they're talking about is the price of their coin and let's let's we need to make sure our coin is successful and what are people saying about it. And and really I feel like Bitcoin Cash people are open to whatever accomplishes this idea the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I've seen that in the meetups that I've been going to recently as well. You know, some people are interested in mining or some people are interested in different things, but I was surprised at how much it was about basically uh, gambling for different people. And that's fine because it's good that cryptocurrency has a profit incentive. It gets people interested, but it's sort of, uh, I was also seeing there is a bit of an undercurrent of people who are interested yeah, you know, and, and they can see all the gambling is going on there, like, that's fine, but they have more of like, oh, we really need to change the world, the system is broken, those kind of um, kind of things do, do come into it, I think, uh, and increasingly more so because there's only so much of the world that is interested in gambling, right? But there's a lot of the world, 
uh, once that market is saturated, that will be convinced to get on board as sort of like, wow, we're really changing society, you know, more of a social movement, uh, especially as it becomes easier and easier to see that reality occurring as more and more people uh, jump on board. So it's less sort of less risky for somebody to sort of say, yeah, no, I actually I support the idea of free trade kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So then we've got this other question you had here, which is about projections around the inevitable BTC crash and the effect of the public perception of the name Bitcoin. That is the main doom scenario in my mind in which everyone resentfully associates the word Bitcoin with that digital paperweight that they have paid for and is now worth zero dollars. I would argue that our eventual occupation of the word cash, as it is left vacant by the absence of paper money, could have potentially more importance than even the name Bitcoin. I agree with you. I think, well, I half agree with you. I don't think that there's going to be a big problem around Bitcoin crashing and everybody thinking, oh, fuck Bitcoin. So then fuck Bitcoin cash, because the reason is that the, the crash is not going to happen all at once. <coughs> like it's not going to just Bitcoin is going to crash and go to zero. And that's the end of that. I don't think instead it will be more like as we've seen Bitcoin cash was at 100 to one and then it hung out at 81 to, for a while. And now it's 50 to one. And then maybe, it, you know, it'll find another little opportunity. It'll just move up to 30 to one and hang around there for a while and then 15 to one. And then there'll be a, just a certain tipping point where it will just go 15 to one to like three to one to one to one really, really quickly. Uh, and then Bitcoin will start to crash, but it will be crashing because a lot of the people in Bitcoin will A, be selling out to get Bitcoin cash. Uh, and also that people will just see that like, for people who are involved, they will understand what's what's at play, right? So they understand there's Bitcoin and there's Bitcoin Cash and people are switching from one to the other. And people who are not involved, well, they don't know. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, you know, whatever. It's just by the by. And so if Bitcoin kind of falls off a cliff a bit and then somebody says to them, hey, can I trade you some Bitcoin Cash to them, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, or people might just start referring to it as Bitcoin or whatever. And everyone will just, it will seem like there was no change really to those so people who are involved know the difference of people who aren't involved. They're not going to notice any difference really. Um, so I think in that respect, I'm not super worried about it. Uh, there'll be a big resent as well as because everybody in the whole world knows that crypto is risky and you're taking your own self responsibility by getting involved. So whenever anybody gets wrecked, they kind of realize, well, that was my fault for the most part. But I do think you are, you are onto something here that also Bitcoin cash was a very, very clever uh, sort of rebrand in the unfortunate scenario that it did have to rebrand. This was about as good as it could have gotten because now, yeah, as, as cash kind of fades out of usage, people might just say, Hey, give me some cash and mean Bitcoin cash. Or maybe they'll just say, yeah, give me some Bitcoin. And that will also just mean Bitcoin cash because it's just what everyone trades. That, that word cash does have a great marketing appeal as they're always trying to phase it out in, in fiat. They, they are sort of leaving it up for grabs for somebody to swoop in and occupy that word that has very warm and fuzzy connotations when you think of cash. <laughs> it's that green stack of, of good. There's no, uh, uh, there, there's no um, convolutedness there to what, what do we feel about cash and what do we mean by cash. And that would be an ultimate good future where the word cash just refers to uh, what we're talking about. And uh, I do like thinking about the doom and gloom scenario. It's not the most popular way to think, but whenever I get very um, convinced about something, I like to try to 
talk myself out of it mm. and and project forward and think like okay how could this how could this go off the rails how might i be wrong about this and um uh, i mean <laughs> crypto people have a certain vision of the future the reserve currency of the mm. world in our case and a lot of crazy stuff has to happen before we get there and you're you're probably right you think of it as a gradual crash i guess for whatever reason in my mind i imagined a sudden crash where everyone realizes, oh my God, this is a Ponzi scheme. What are we doing? Let's get out of here. And we end up with this albatross around our necks, this Bitcoin name that's been associated with, you, you know, you wouldn't want to try to get going calling yourself Enron Cash mm. or Bernie Madoff Cash or something that everyone just associates with like money loss and, and tragedy. And I, I, I'm much more enthusiastic about that the the potential of that cash word being left on the table, um, but a, a gradual switch over would be preferable to a to a big uh, big big cat catastrophic crash. I yeah, suppose. and I mean I think we will. You know, there's definitely potential for that. I'm not saying that it's not really going to happen. Just I think it's less likely. Like you can see, there's all the um, stuff with like tether at the moment. I've sort of mentioned that a bit on the show, but. Recently, that seems to be getting worse and worse in terms of, okay, other stable coins are now just printing like billions every day, and it's all turning into a bit of a, uh, a bit of a sham. But this is we've seen this before. That's kind of what happened with um, Mount Gox and with different you know exchanges that have kind of blown up, or it's all unraveled at a certain point. The crypto industry goes into a bit of a crisis. There's a big crash. This is where everybody should you know, be managing their finances appropriately so that in such a scenario, they're not <laughs> completely ruined, right? They can afford to sort of ride it out uh, until things turn back around and, and maybe pick up some cheap coins on the bottom. Uh, but the the point is that we can have, the, the world is just in such a monetary state right now that it's really a question of what drops first, you know, like, because Tether could blow up tomorrow, but so could, you know, like Lebanon or Venezuela is already pretty wrecked or any other country that is sort of teetering on the edge with their financial policy. Like Australia has been doubling its money supply uh, in the last couple of months, right? So they they could be just, I don't think it's going to happen, especially in Australia's case, uh, you know, my personal opinion that people are a bit oblivious there. So it's not really necessarily going to catch on as a big fear of, uh, you know, people are very trusting of the government. So they'll tolerate a lot of uh, inflation stealing away their money before they sort of clue in, uh, especially because everyone's getting rich in the housing market. So they all think they're financial geniuses. But uh, if you any any, you know, domino could come loose, any any card in the house of cards could just fall out. And then suddenly crypto mm -hmm. will be the life raft that everybody just piles into. Or it could be the other way around where first crypto's own scams and issues with like Tether or whatever, maybe they blow up and everybody goes out of it, but then the house of cards kind of falls apart in the in the fiat world. So then crypto is still the better option. So everybody sw switches back. So it's impossible to know which way it's going to go down first uh, and how it's going to play out, obviously, with BTC uh, being in the center of it. Yeah. We could always end up in that Peter Schiff future where we all have a little leather pouch of gold mm. coins jingle jangling on our on our belts, or uh, I don't know exactly what he's picturing practically. Uh, I, I do agree with his case for a 
against the dollar, but he's he is like sort of ninety percent of the way there. Yeah, I, that's the strangest thing, you know. I've I've definitely had that episode where we talked about Peter Schiff and all his opinions and stuff, and it's just so strange that he has all of the right prerequisites in terms of okay, what is the money? How does it come to be? Yada yada yada, and it's happening in front of his eyes, like. He's been watching it for such a long time, and he knows. I don't know how he imagines a new money would come about, but if you could imagine it happening, this is pretty much uh, what crypto is. It's following pretty much the exact formula, which is it's pretty uncertain. Lots of people are speculating in and out, but it's educating the world about finance. More people are piling in. There's a, you know some legitimate commerce going on, right? And just slowly the world is just adopting to that mantra and it's proven that it is practical that people are using it to trade online for different things so this whole yeah we're going to go back to gold and everybody's going to realize crypto is just a ponzi like i don't want any gold like i i i I understand all the reasons to have it but i would just rather have crypto because it's cheaper to store and it's more secure to store it and it's more practical and it's got massive upside which gold probably doesn't have and for all those reasons, it's just like, I just don't care about gold, you know. This is the weird thing about the gold position. If you try to think it through, like, okay, the currency collapses, uh, uh, Peter Schiff's dancing a jig over there in, in Puerto Rico, and we all, we all are carrying gold around. It's heavy and annoying, yeah. so we're going to store it, and then we're going to be issued paper receipts, mm. And then we're going to just start trading the receipts because those are a lot easier than going and getting your deposit out. And then the banks are going to realize, hey, we can just hand out more of these receipts than, than we're actually holding in deposits. Like you'll end up in the exact same place again. It might take 50 years, or but we'd be right back here again with the same problem. It's not like we weren't on the gold standard before, but it, it, it falls apart for a reason that the government and the banks due to gold being heavy and annoying to carry around are going to take advantage of the fact that we have to trade something easier to put in your pocket, yeah. which that's, that's, crypto, that's the yeah. digital solution. I don't know how everyone who's all about gold doesn't sort of play that out and, and see that. Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange as well that they can't see Peter's thinks, oh, it's all about gold and it's all about whatever. But uh, is he trading gold with, I don't know, his gold mates or his suppliers or whatever? No, right? He's just stocking it in a vault. But Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash companies especially, they do actually trade in Bitcoin, you know, among internal to the scene. Deals are done in Bitcoin Cash and, uh, you know, employees are paid in Bitcoin Cash and some, you know, people go to the certain merchants, you know, that they know that accept Bitcoin Cash and... So definitely it's not the, it's not a perfect example yet. It's still very young and growing, especially with how sidetracked everything got with Bitcoin Cash having to split off from Bitcoin. But there is an actual economy forming in there in the center of it, which gold has had its time and it did have that at one point and then that all died out and it's not coming back because even the people who love it, like Peter Schiff, he's not out, he's not doing what the crypto people are doing, which is going out, convincing people, hey, now let's start trading it every day. It, it doesn't happen. So it's. He's selling it, I guess. He's doing what the Bitcoin core people mm. are doing. And he's, he's making sure that others, others buy in. Yeah. But I, 
not to crap on Peter Schiff too much, because I do agree with him, uh, his whole point about how much longer are other countries going to agree to send actual physical goods in exchange for this monopoly money that yeah. we're just printing. I saw uh, Biden just set the 2022 budget to $6 trillion, That's... and they say that the, the tax base is 3.5 or something much less than that. So that's at least another two trillion blasting out of the printing press. It, at some point, you know, there's there there shall be a problem. Mm, there's going to be a mass reckoning, and we're just going to see it uh, sometime. You know, it's been predicted for the last ten years, fifteen years. You know, since the GFC, basically, Peter Schiff has been calling for it, and he's still right. You know, things have been trending in that direction. It's just taken longer than I guess he would have expected. And also crypto has really thrown a spanner in the works because it's given humanity an escape hatch. Like it's not, it's going to be painful for the people who realize at last, which is why it's such a uh, key topic, you know, for society and it's why it's growing in prominence. So, the, but it might be that we get out largely scot-free because there's already the crypto economy is going on. And just as things start to melt down a bit, everyone just goes, shit, let me, let me just last second, uh, bail in uh in this big you know one year maybe or one you know two years of just suddenly huge chunks of the world just start switching over or it could be that things get really really bad and just crypto sort of rises from the ashes afterwards uh, i don't know it's well it's going to be a very interesting time to be alive so i'm looking forward to it you know definitely you know it's funny when i when i try to project forward and think about what kind of problems we run into and i think okay you know tether that's that's pretty bad uh, quantum computing i don't know about that the thing that it doesn't worry me is bitcoin core's big criticism of us all the time is that we must be so centralized mm. and and to me the worst case scenario for a bad centralization outcome is is literally what happened with the development team on that side of the fork that's that's a bad outcome for being centralized i feel like yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. You know, this whole yeah, centralization stuff, it's just it's just nonsense. It's like you can anybody can go and sit in. I have on some of the dev calls and you can see we've got six different teams of people and they're negotiating and figuring it out and okay, you're going to put in this and we're going to put in this and let's set a timeline and do all this stuff. You know, like uh Bitcoin Core, I don't know. Firstly, even the Bitcoin Core community, they don't really pay any attention to what's going on like the broader Bitcoin community half of them have no idea what's going on in their own dev teams to begin with. But then even if they do, it's just, you know, uh, everybody who cared enough to dispute things has just taken the easier path of least resistance and left. And so they're just in more rational discussions that are going on elsewhere. And so, yeah, Bitcoin just has that centralized force. Okay, they've got 10,000 nodes. Great. But they and they probably have quite a high percentage of nodes of actual users. But the design of cryptocurrency, the design of Bitcoin, was never that most users should be running nodes. It should be the, you know, the more invested people, the the miners, the major businesses, the developers, uh, and the very strong, you know, fans. Like, I mean, I'm going to be moving around a bit, but if I if I wasn't, I would get a node set up and I'd just run it. And okay, it might cost me a couple hundred bucks a year, but you know, whatever, like, I don't care. I would be doing it, just doing that, just willing to pay that cost. I'm not trying to be like, oh, it has to be so cheap that anybody can run it because most people, they just got their phone wallet. They just download, they just, 
use it. You know, it needs to be like any tech company or whatever to run your apps on your phone. You don't need to set up all your tech infrastructure and everything. No, you just download it on your phone. That's uh, it's just the difference is that in crypto, that stuff is run by a decentralized group of people, but still a core, basically a core, but still a, you know, still a community. uh, Whereas, you know, with Facebook, okay, it's the same thing. They've run, you know, Facebook servers, right? Uh, But instead of there's just Zuckerberg at the top controlling what's going on and crypto is the same, but there's just no Zuckerberg and that. You know, seems seems fine to me. It seems like it's going all right. Uh, so you you've you've generated a very uh, detailed and and reasonable argument there, and I feel like there's a lot of copy paste happening on the other side that they'll come. They'll just say, "Well, you're centralized," yeah. and I've had people literally just paste an argument back to me where I think, "Well, okay, I've actually seen that exact thing." And and you try and push back, and and there's nothing there. And the weird part is not so much the logic and reasoning itself on that side, but just how popular it is. Mm. It's weird how just how popular uh, that is. That it's pretty easy to poke holes in it, and I guess because people are in it to turn around some some dollars, they just kind of don't want to hear it, and and. The, the predominance of it is sort of the mystifying part to me. Well, I guess it just goes to the fact that na- narratives are the, the key in society, really, is that the, the truth comes out, but it just takes a long time, right? People can go on believing that the, you know, the, what's it called? The, the sun revolves around the earth, right? For a few hundred years, right? So as long as everyone believes it and everyone knows it, well, that's fine. And cryptocurrency, it's not like that at all, but... It's like that in the sense that in the Bitcoin community, what you're doing if you're defecting from Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash, uh, in a lot of cases is you have four mates that all have Bitcoin and all tell you that Bitcoin Cash is garbage and who cares about it. So actually the social consensus of those friends or people you know or the little chat that you have like there with the kim.com one it was a classic where he went in to go to that debate and you could hear at the start and at the end there was these little segments of them all on the call together like ha and kim doesn't know anything ha you know and then kim comes in and just wrecks them with some pretty sensible arguments they scream at him and get a bit salty and then he says all right guys well thanks for having me and he leaves and then they have a little bit at the end like ha what a shit coiner like he still doesn't know anything. and it's just like all among themselves they were they were convinced, but from the outside, it's just so it looks so ridiculous. I hope it doesn't take a couple hundred years no, uh, no, no. to figure this one out. It won't take that long, I say, you know, two two to three years, maybe, maybe two to five. Uh, but the word is getting out there. Are these meetups, uh, yeah, just there's not any hardcore Bitcoiners there. They just aren't. They're just outmoded, uh, really. So, yeah, let's just roll on towards... Uh, towards the end of the show then so <laughs> i've got meme of the week every week this this week i have uh this one comes from marcel chuo uh and it's a twitter post it is a picture of silence of the lambs which is a film i looked it up uh details uh, just before this it's uh, 1991 it was released i knew it was the 90s but i didn't know it was 91 uh, and it has a very famous um artwork for the the movie poster of Jodie Foster's uh, face with a moth over her 
mouth, which is, uh, you know, relevant in the plot of that movie. And it's called Silence of the Lambs. It has Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, who plays the Hannibal Lecter, the uh, cannibal. And it's very, very uh, famous and good movie. So I recommend to everybody that haven't seen it to uh, check it out. But <laughs> in the meme, we've got Silence of the Lambos, and they've got the Bitcoin... Um, logos on Jerry Foster's eyes and they've replaced the moth with a, a Lamborghini and the quote is you still wake up sometimes don't you you wake up in the dark and you hear the roaring of the Lambos which is a play on the you know the screaming of the lambs that is in uh, in the actual movie and I saw this I just thought this was this was very clever because in our recent uh in the community there's been those the price crash and you can see every single time when the btc price is going up if you're watching on crypto twitter it's all these people saying ah i told i told the bears like they're all shut up now the price is going up uh, it's it's not over we're all getting rich and, and everything and then as soon as the price dips off suddenly they all vanish it's ghost town you know uh so that's that's <laughs> i don't know have you seen uh, silence of the lambs i surely have uh good movie right I you like re recommend uh recommend it to people it's a it's a like it's a bit it's a bit of an intense movie so don't sit down to watch it at you know 9 30 p.m when you're <laughs> you know with the winds howling outside or anything like that but uh, unless you're into that unless you're one of those people who like uh you know a bit of a thriller and horror movie uh type of things but yeah yeah very very good movie all right and yeah as well obviously we have our message to the community uh section where you know you've come on the show you've uh, told us a little bit about uh crypto regulation and everything but just w what do you think with with where we're at in terms of you know with uh, bitcoin or with, with with anything really from like obviously you, you post pretty regularly on the rbdc subreddit and i'm sure you i don't know you know you have friends that are into bitcoin cash and everything is the community going in the right direction? How, how are we doing right now? I think that it is this the I think that there's a lot of pushback on the that store of value narrative that just cannot stand up if you think about it for two seconds that something can't just store value without doing anything you can't you can't name anything that has held value long term that you can't also where it's not easy to just say what else it does. You need to be able to say what it does. And and I think more people are understanding the necessity of a medium of exchange to supersede store of value. And the, the BTC notion of if we all believe it's money and we just keep that belief going, uh, then it will be money. Like you need to use it as money and it needs to act as money. And that function needs to come first and then the value comes. You can't just declare this thing's job is being valuable. What does it do? It just is valuable. So we trade it. Like but they don't trade that it. That can't that's stand the, up. That's the key point, I guess. That's that's well, they trade it for dollars, I guess, when they sell. Yeah. But they uh, they they that's on the hush hush. They don't talk about selling. Mm. But I think I think more people are coming around to that. And uh, I also want to say to to any Bitcoin core people i don't think that they're listening or any uh uh proof of stake people come on and uh, debate jeremy <laughs> okay. it's not a 
he's not a religious uh, zealot. He'll be convinced by debate if your arguments are that good. Come on, I, for my for my entertainment, the audience, I think we'd all love to see that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do have. Um... I have thought, I've done obviously some reviews. I, I did uh, that uh, episode this week where I was reviewing the sort of Bitcoin cash versus, uh, or cryptocurrency versus uh, stocks debate. I'm definitely open to having uh, somebody on who is big on on Bitcoin. Uh, I've, I've said, you know, what's his name? Spencer Schiff, he can come on anytime or uh, yeah. anyone else. I mean, they do have to, It's it's hard though, because they will have to be convinced. I mean, I'm happy to do it on somebody else's show too, as well, to go on their uh, show. But if they're coming onto my show, obviously they're going to feel like I'm kind of, you know, it's a home ground advantage, right? Like if I'm the, running the stream and everything. Uh, but yeah, you need a mediator, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so uh, it would take a little bit of uh, setting up, but I'm definitely up for that. And people in the, yeah, Ethereum or proof of stake or, or whatever, yeah, I'm definitely happy to. Um, to talk about it, I guess at the moment it's just not, uh, my podcast maybe isn't big enough that it gets people uh, commenting that I feel would be, I do I do have people who, who comment, uh, like I have had a few with Bitcoin SV that have sort of commented yep. in the comments like, ha you and your shitcoin, like Bitcoin SV, and I'm just sort of like, all right, I, I, it's not even worth arguing with them, to be honest. Uh, if they had any, you know, if they had anything beyond, we've got more block size, so therefore it's great. If they had any other, you notice where, you notice we're never going into other people's subreddits and using saying shitcoin yeah. and uh, ha ha ha. Like, what is with that? We're always getting those. People. Yeah, well, that's that's right. It's uh, well, it's what I talked about in my proof of passion episode with that trolling is a very bullish indicator for a cryptocurrency, because I like I had uh, somebody commented on Twitter. I, I made some comment and then somebody commented like, oh, but nobody cares about this stupid BTC fork. It's irrelevant. And I said, well. You cared, you commented about it. And then they didn't reply to that because then it was just in a box. Like there's no way out of that. Because if they didn't care, they wouldn't have commented in the first place. And then once I've called them out for that, what are they going to do? They're going to comment again? Well, then that just proves my point. They're going to not comment? Well, that's what I wanted them to do anyway, which was just go away and leave us leave us to crack on with uh, converting the world to Bitcoin Cash, you know? So uh, yeah, when, when a community is very heavily trolled, that's because there's a lot of passionate people there because trolls are drawn to to passionate discussion because they don't want to troll somebody who doesn't care. They want to troll somebody that they can get a rise out of. So it's you, you caught them in the proof of caring yeah, yeah. mechanism. Exactly. Proof of, uh, proof of troll. That's the, how has somebody not made troll coin using that, uh, you know, the face of the troll face, that would be the best icon to have on coin market cap of, uh, that, that would go off. I'm sure of it, but. I'm sure it's there. What are there? Ten thousand? It's probably ranked like seven thousand or something. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. What happened to that uh, cyber computer thing? Was that still internet, on the list? Internet, internet computer. Yeah, I think that was. That was it's it. still in there. It's still like uh, number nine, but it has just been crashing. Like the price has just been on the perpetual down downturn. And while we're speaking of that, actually, too, by the way, as well, uh, Coin Coinbase, their stock listing has not been going well. They've been on the plummet from um, $400 down to, you know, sub 200 at this at this stage, which is fine. I mean, it's to be expected uh, that they would, you know, have some rough waters early on. 
But uh, I think I even mentioned this when I talked about Coinbase initially being listed is it's a bit of a self-defeating business model because uh, much like PayPal, right? If they're successful, they sort of take themselves out of business because they're onboarding people onto crypto. And then the more people have crypto, the less they need Coinbase and the more they can just trade amongst themselves, right? So then Coinbase needs to figure out, well, what do we do otherwise? But I mean, they've even said it themselves in their own company uh, announcements and stuff like we don't want to be holding everyone's coins because if we are we're just a huge target for hackers that's bad for everyone so they sort of don't want to do that but then what other kind of services can they offer they can't really reverse track and get into banking <laughs> even though they're a financial company because that's also going obsolete so yeah i mean people are just better off buying a bit of crypto and holding it themselves if they think coinbase is some grand stock but i don't know it's funny. I saw uh, there's Instagram ads here in Canada for stock brokerages, obviously targeting millennials. And the ad just said, you can buy Coinbase stock. <laughs> like, that's it. Just a big Coinbase logo. And I comment, like, you mean the complete flop of an IPO? Like, who is this yeah. for? What do you And every I, I'll still see it all the time as if someone is just going to sign up just because they heard the word Coinbase, uh, ooh, I can I can buy that, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny that, I mean, like they say that the uh, stock ownership uh, percentage or whatever in the population is, is increasing. Like in Australia, it's actually very high, right? In Australia, they have one of the highest uh, stock ownership, you know, per capita of uh, everywhere in the world, just because it's a, a relatively well-off country and also because the, the population are very, yeah, willing to understand those sort of uh, concepts, but around the world, it's taken off, you know, with Robin Hood and all this sort of stuff in the new generation, because everybody has that underlying sense that the financial system is a bit rigged and people know that they can't, you know, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, you could have one parent in a household make enough money for a whole family. And, you know, that was fine. And then now people know like, oh, okay, well, both of my parents work and they're still kind of struggling to put it together and how I've got student debt. And, you know, if I was going to get married, then even between the two of us, we'd still be like scraping by and just inflation is just stealing so much value from everyone constantly that all those subtle ramifications have just spread around to the entire generation of everyone under the age of, you know, about 35, I think. And we're only going to see more of that as time, uh, goes on you know that uh, that's why everybody's just plugging into cryptos and just get, you know get yeah. on with it get out of dollars i i think people don't even know why they want to get out of dollars they but they they, they want to get out of yeah, dollars that's exactly it that, that well there we go that's the message to the community get out of dollars uh that that, that could be the the point the learning point for this episode so yeah, that, that's really the end of the episode. As uh, always, thank you very much to my uh, donators. I love you all, you know, pseudonymous uh, donators. I saw there was something I was gonna donate to something with BitPay and they had this big uh, KYC form. And I was like, this is just garbage, you know, it's just, just give me an address and let me send it in, you know, so quick and easy. Uh, shout out to Freedom of the Press, Edward Snowden's, uh, org you can donate to them in uh, bch anytime you like so if you like what he's doing uh maybe check that out slides and resources are at uh, bitcoin cash podcast 
dot com and and thanks for coming on the show uh james do you have yeah do you right have any Jeremy. like shout fun. outs you want to give or where can people find you or anything like that uh i i drew a few bitcoin cash related comic strips and i made that account uh called really big comics on instagram you can check really those out okay. i think i have one follower i have not mentioned it to anybody yeah. so okay i'll go. put a link in the description so people can uh, check that out too and that will uh, do it for today until next time he pulled out his laptop and bring up the site looked at me and said this will change your whole life and he started explaining the basics to me the miners make money by taking the fee every time a transaction is made incomplete and they work every minute and day of the week a guy named satoshi created this all he's the mastermind of it the brain in the ball there's a lot more to say but before i begin just tell me right now if you're out or you're in